And uh, I miss being with you last week. I typically choose one Ole Miss ball game that I think we can win to spend the night instead of driving back. That didn't work out for me last week either. So I know about that roller coaster, Miss Nancy. It just, mine keeps going down as far as football is concerned. But it's good to be back with you today. Uh, we are in the middle of a series called Questions. We're looking at questions that God or Jesus ask people in Scripture. We're studying how they respond to those questions, and then we're being invited to think about how you and I might respond to those same questions in our lives today. We've been alternating between the Old and the New Testament, and Jim was in the New Testament last week, and so we're back in the Old Testament today, and we're looking at 1 Kings chapter 19. We're specifically looking at a question that God poses to the prophet Elijah. Now, I don't know how much you remember or know about the prophet of Elijah, but the prophet Elijah is the greatest prophet in the Bible. The prophet Elijah, uh, his whole career was spent confronting and critiquing Ahab, who was the king of that time. And he was also the most powerful man in all of Israel. And so Elijah confronted and critiqued Ahab constantly over and over and over again. And God used the prophet Elijah in some pretty incredible ways. Uh, Some of the highlights was that God used Elijah to predict the beginning and the end of a three-year drought. Uh, God also used Elijah to um, revive the dead son of a widowed woman who provided Elijah with water and food in the midst of that drought. And God used Elijah to battle and defeat 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah uh, because they were saying and doing things that were counter to the word of God that Elijah and the other prophets had been teaching and commanding. And so what happens is is that after uh, Elijah defeats these prophets of Baal and these prophets of Asherah, King Ahab goes home. And he's talking to his wife, the queen, Jezebel. And he's telling Jezebel what Uh, Elijah just did, how he had killed all of these prophets of Baal and Asherah. Well, Jezebel is a devoted follower of Baal. And so she's not at all happy to find out that Elijah just killed 450 of her pagan god's prophets. And so she doesn't take too kindly to it. And so she sends a message to Elijah and says, I'm going to take your life in the way that you took the lives of the prophets of my God, Baal. Now, to give you a glimpse into what I think about as I'm preparing for the text, my first thought when I read this part of the text today is, why in the world, if you were going to kill somebody, would you send them a note and say, hey, heads up, I'm going to kill you? I mean... Why would you do that? Why, why wouldn't you just send the assassin on out and take care of business or, or send somebody out to arrest them to bring them to you so that you could do it? I, those are the questions that I get bogged down in and like an hour's passed and I don't have an answer and I have to go on with preaching. But 
Uh, can you imagine what Elijah is thinking about all this? All this guy has done is just faithfully serve the Lord every day of his life. And what does he have to show for it? He's got a death wish. He's got a bounty on his head. He's having to run for dear life. You know, I don't know how... Now I know why these prosperity gospel preachers never preach Elijah, because this guy was doing everything right, and it didn't quite work out like Joel Osteen says it will, right? And so he flees. He just takes off running. He takes off running. Now, at this point, you might just kind of gloss over where Elijah runs. Because to our modern ears and hearing and reading the text, maybe we don't recognize or understand the geography in the way that people in Elijah's day would. But when Elijah is running for his life, do you know where he runs to? He runs to places that have been absolutely of paramount importance to his ancestors. He runs back to the places where his spiritual roots are firmly entrenched. He runs back to places like Beersheba, or the way we say up here, Beersheba. And, or, and he runs to Mount Horeb, or what we might know as Mount Sinai. These are places where Elijah's ancestors had personally experienced and encountered God in amazing ways. And so don't lose sight of the fact that, that as, Mo, as Elijah gets fearful, that he takes off running, that he goes back to a place where he knows people have experienced and encountered God before. And maybe that's why he goes there now. It's because he's afraid. And what he wants more than anything is to have an encounter, a personal encounter, and a personal experience with the same God that is communicated to his ancestors over and over and over again. And when he finally gets to the place where he's going, it says that he sits down underneath a tree and he begins to pray. And he begins to pray that the Lord would just take him now. Interesting, another question I have. You, you were so worried about dying from Jezebel's hands that you took off running and now you're asking to die. Why is that? But he's sitting underneath this tree and it's like he's at the end of his rope. It's like, I, I can't take this anymore. I, I can't do this anymore. I, I wish you would just take my life, Lord. And then he, he says that I am no better than any of my ancestors. And again, we may not immediately catch on what's going on here, but I suspect that as, Moses, as, as Elijah is sitting there thinking I'm no better than my ancestors, he's thinking about Moses. Do you remember that Moses also had a time when he was in the wilderness or in the desert, when he had reached a point where he just wasn't sure that he could carry this burden that God had given him for the children of Israel? And so he said to uh, God, he said, I can't carry this burden any longer. I would rather just die. And so Elijah's experiencing that same kind of thing in the Scripture. 
Maybe Elijah is thinking back to the fact that when he killed those 450 prophets of Baal and those 400 prophets of Asherah, that maybe he won't have this roller coaster ride like Moses had, like Miss Nancy was talking about in the children's sermon. Maybe he thought that he was destined for something better, something more stable, something more victorious and enjoyable only to find out that that's not the case at all. And he realizes, I am no better than anybody else that's ever come before me. And then Elijah falls asleep under that tree. And when Elijah comes to, he's awakened by an angel of the Lord. And the angel says, get up and eat. And then Elijah looks over and sees something that is probably not usually seen in the middle of the desert or the wilderness. He actually sees a jar of water, and he actually sees a cake that's been cooked over hot coals. We might, again, miss the significance that's going on here, um, but the word hot coals only appears one other time in the Hebrew Scriptures. And that is in Isaiah chapter 6. And in Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah is worried about his unworthiness at being called by God. He's not sure that he can be used by God. And we're told that in Isaiah 6, that, God, that an angel takes a hot coal from a fire and touches it to uh, Isaiah's lips and says that your guilt has been taken away and your sins have been atoned for. And then the word jar, this jar that Elijah sees when he awakens, that word's only used two other times in the Hebrew Hebrew Scriptures, and one of those is in the middle of that drought that Elijah predicted when he himself was thirsty and hungry, and he ran into a woman at Zarephath who had a jar of water. And she shared that jar. God used that woman to provide for Elijah in the midst of a drought. Do you think there's any coincidence to what is happening here? That here is Elijah, he's at his wit's end, and he's doubting his call, and he's, he's certain of his unworthiness. And so, uh, hot coals... Just like in Isaiah when he was worried about his unworthiness, when he was questioning his call, and in a jar of water, just like God provided for him during the drought, God's providing for him now. And so Isaiah eats and drinks. He goes back to sleep. The angel wakes him up a second time and says, get up and eat. It's time for you to do that again. And if you don't do that, then you won't have the strength for the journey ahead. And so Elijah eats and he drinks and then he begins to continue his journey all the way to Mount Sinai, that place where Moses encountered God, where the Ten Commandments were given to Moses. And and Elijah goes and he hides in a cave and this finally is where God comes to Elijah and asks the question, what are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? Well, the obvious answer is, well, the reason I'm here, God, is because I'm running for my life. The obvious answer is, all I was doing is what you told me to do. I was being a faithful prophet, and now somebody wants to kill me, and I'm running, trying to avoid dying. 
But if you look real closely at what we've seen about Elijah in this text this morning, he is experiencing all of the symptoms of burnout. This is a guy that's depressed. This is a guy that is exhausted. This is a guy that is weary. This is a guy that's having trouble. He is really, really struggling. Uh, This is a guy that can't see all of the good things that God has been doing in and through him because he's so encapsulated in darkness in this moment. There is a cloud of despair that is so thick around him that he cannot even focus on the good because he's so immersed in the bad. This is a guy that, that is sleeping a lot a sure sign and symptom of depression. This is the guy that needs somebody to tell him, it's time for you to get up and get out of bed and eat something. He's probably not eating well. He's probably not eating right. And so he has to be told, you've got to get out of bed. You've you've got to eat something. You've got to get some exercise. There's a journey that I want you to go on to. It is so important when when you're in the midst of despair and depression for you to get out of that bed and and to eat right and to to exercise and, and, and go. Why not go to a place in the middle of your depression where you know you've encountered God before? Why not go to a cave at the very place where God communicated so clearly to one of God's great uh, people that God called Moses. And it is there in that cave that He's asking Elijah, what are you doing here? And in the midst of Elijah's darkness, and I'm not talking about the darkness of the cave, In the midst of Elijah's darkness, God invites Elijah to go outside the cave, stand on the side of the mountain, for the Lord is about to pass by. Again, this would be a reminder to Elijah of Moses when God essentially did the same thing for Moses. Called him outside and said that the Lord is about to pass by. Now in chapter 18, one chapter before this one, God's power was revealed in a storm, in a wind and rain, when God ended that three-year drought. And so God's power was in the rain and the wind. And in the chapter just before this one, God's power was uh, in a fire uh, when the heavens opened up and a fire came down and it lit the altar that Elijah had built in order to show God's sovereignty and power over the prophets of Baal. But in our scripture lesson today, there's a storm, but God is not in it. And there is a fire, but God is not in it. And there is an earthquake, and God is not in it. And in fact, Elijah doesn't even go out of the cave, if you were reading the Scripture closely. He doesn't even go out of the cave to see the storm or the earthquake or the fire. Do you think that's because he was feeling all of those things in his very life at the moment? He was burned out. 
His worldview had been shattered. His life was in absolute chaos. It was only in the silence after the storm. It was only in the silence after the earthquake. It was only in the silence after the fire that Elijah heard something. Only it was nothing. It was the sound of sheer silence. And we're told that it was at that point that Elijah walks out of that cave and God asks him again, what are you doing here? And then God goes on to remind Elijah that I love you. That I am with you. You're not alone like you think you are. I'm not finished with you. I still have great plans for you. So how might this question be applicable to us today? I suspect that in a crowd this size that there are people here this morning that are depressed. There are people here this morning who are worn out and exhausted and burned out. There are people here this morning that are so enclosed in darkness that they can't see that there might be some good things that have happened or are happening. They're so entrenched in their darkness. They've forgotten that this dark cloud that they feel like is enveloping them hasn't always been there and it won't always be there. There are people that would rather stay in bed this morning than to get up and to get out. There are people who need to constantly be reminded, you've got to get up, you've got to get out of bed, you've got to eat something, you've got to take care of yourself, you've got to exercise. There are people here this morning that need to be reminded that you're not alone. That as bad as the cloud that's encircling you feels like, this is not um, the worst thing that's ever going to happen to you. It's not the only thing that's going to happen to you. But God will see you through. God loves you. God's not finished with you. God has a plan for you. Depression is real, my friends, and so many of us suffer from it. And I think that this scripture is a wonderful reminder that we do need to do whatever we can to seek help and to seek hope and to seek healing. It might be going to a place, back to a place where we've encountered God before or where people we know have encountered the presence of God before. It might be finding a place like uh, Elijah did to process his feelings and to give voice to them. But I want you to know that God loves you and that you are not alone. God's not finished with you. God has a plan for you. And God wants you to find help and hope and healing.